शो मित्रुण शो भवत्ंद्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवतु वक्ता सहनावधु सहनौ भुन सह वीकस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विद्विषा शांतिशांतिशांतिशंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणत धारणो भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय शातिशातिशातिहम वृक्षतिपृंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी स्वृतमस्विण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधाृतोक्षिशंखोर्वेदाचनम शातिशातिशातिदूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुद्यद पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेंशातिशातिशातिश्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणालय नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंक शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे पुन पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रिए भीष्ट सिद्ध आश्रिए भीष्ट सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यनंदर्थतोप्यनंदीतद्वैत भानत 
गुरुनाराध्य वेदांत गुरुनाराध्य वेदांत सारम वक्ष्ये यथामदे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामदे we discussed in the last two section two sessions the process of what is called apavada the superimposition or going back to the source which is really as we said what we have to accomplish <coughs> what we find before us is the product or the effect and going back to the cause or the source is reaching the truth and having described in great detail the process of adhyaropa or superimposition as i said that was the reason why this adhyaropa or superimposition was so i mean described in such great detail as to how from the source which is truth or brahman how the whole creation comes about in various stages a model was presented to us <coughs> the model of the five elements which we said is has a lot to do with other systems of thought also in india it is not merely that the five elements space air fire water and earth is just a simple uh, primitive or elementary observation of life only but it has to do, do a lot with our own personality also lot to do with with the, so this is something that the seers have seen understand so something that the rishis have perceived as the model or as, as a way of uh, relating with the world and therefore has been found to be extremely useful but other models also can be used idea is to go back from the effect to the cause to the ultimate source and this what we perceive for us is this whole cosmos we say that this cosmos of the world has primarily two elements the experiencer and that which is experienced so experiencer is housed in a body and the objects of experience are the sound and touch and taste is what he experiences <clears throat> this body is were said to be of different kinds they were they were categorized or classified according to the process of birth jarayuja those born of the womb the mammals andaja those born of eggs swedaja those born of moisture udbhija those born of us and these are the these are different kinds of living beings obtaining in this universe and if you are to accept what the scriptures say that not only we have this world that we know the world which we call the earth with its inhabitants of human beings and other living beings but there are some other worlds also perhaps what we might say levels of experience <coughs> or the realms of experience are there above and below imagine that in each realm of experience there are different kinds of beings and they experience different kinds of objects and the experiencer and the experience this world consisting of these two is housed in a particular realm which is what we call this earth and this consists of the whole universe the gross universe that we come across so this gross universe of course is very diverse everything is different from everything else but there is still something common in all of them and what is it that everything is made up of the five elements that these gross bodies with the mammals or them born of eggs or whatever they are all of them are made up of five elements <clears throat> the proportion of these elements vary and that is why we have different the variety <clears throat> but the substance is the same and the objects that i come across are also the five elements or combinations of five elements in the place where we dwell this earth etc also is really nothing but a combination of five elements only the proportion is different <clears throat> there's a whole universe is made up of five grossified elements as we perceive so therefore in our mind we can resolve or we can see the whole universe is nothing but a manifestation of the five elements so what happens is the differences obtaining at the level of effect those differences all of them are resolved in this what we may call the substance the five elements of which the whole universe is made <clears throat> so yes 
we appreciate the difference is obtaining between one body and the other body. At the same time, we appreciate also that which is common between the two bodies, namely the five elements. <coughs> this is how we go from effect to the cause. The elemental creation is reduced to the elements. What is elemental? The combination of elements. So this universe made up of the subject, object, etc., made up of the elements, elemental creation is reduced to the five elements. Okay. Then, these five elements also are, cre- are the product of what? They also uh, evolved from what? From the five subtle elements. As we saw that the five subtle elements undergoing the combination become the gross elements. And therefore, all these five gross elements is nothing un- reduced to, or seen to be. Reducing meaning, it need not be a physical process. It's a matter of seeing in our own mind. So how these five gross elements are nothing but the five subtle elements. And taking or looking at our own subtle bodies, consisting the five organs of perception, and the organs of action, and the pranas, the vital forces, and the mind and the intellect, this subtle body, all of that also is made up of five subtle elements. So my mind is different from your mind, and it's different from every other mind. But what is that mind made up of, ultimately, from five subtle elements, sattva aspect of the five subtle elements. The combination of those elements varies and therefore the minds are different. <coughs> My organs of perception are different from your, organ, your organs of perception, but primarily they are made up of the five subtle elements. My organs of action are different from yours, but still made up of the five subtle elements. So what we call the subtle body is created from or is evolved from the five subtle elements, from the sattva, rajas and tamas, these aspects of the elements. So, therefore now, the whole, the universe made up of the five gross elements is reduced to five subtle elements. All the subtle bodies also can be looked upon as nothing but made up of five subtle elements. So everything now is reduced to what? Five subtle elements. (coughs) And what are these five subtle elements? the earth, the water, the fire, the air, and the space. And you can see that in our experience also. When you take, for example, wood, or, you know, earth, as we call it, and, or the, you see, when you, or when you take any metal, when you take any solid substance, and when you heat it, it starts boiling. Meaning that solid is converted into what we call liquid, or the earth converted into water. You further heat it and it gets converted into vapor. So that liquid also is reduced to what we call vapor or heat. And you heat it further, it becomes superheated vapor or becomes gas. So that heat of the fire is also reduced to what we call the air. And you heat it further, even those atoms of the, what we call the gas, also disintegrate and are reduced to what we call space or energy. So this sequence we see in our own experience also. How solid ice is reduced to the liquid water, and how liquid water is reduced to the fire which is boiling water, and how boiling water is reduced to the steam which is gas, and how gas steam also is reduced to its its more fundamental particles, and how they are also ultimately reduced to what we call the energy. So this process we see. And therefore, even the five subtle elements also Yutkramena, by the reverse process, get reduced ultimately to what? Earth gets reduced to the water, and water to, and, I mean, fire, fire to air, and air to space. All right, this element space from which everything else is evolved, where does it come from? We say that it is evolved from maya, from the creative power, which also is called ajnanam, either ignorance or maya, or the unmanifest. So unmanifest evolves into what we call the first subtle element, which is air, I mean, which is space, and then further manifests. So the whole creation, gross and subtle, is reduced to the cause, which is what we call the maya, or the unmanifest. But you know very well that maya, or the unmanifest, cannot be unless it is blessed by chaitanyam, or consciousness. And therefore, maya, 
Conditioning that conscious, or consciousness functioning through that avyakta unmanifested maya is what we call Ishvara, the primordial cause. So both ways you can see, back and forth. So this is a very beautiful process. To see the whole universe reducing into its, its, its primordial cause that we call the unmanifest or the maya or the prakriti. And the same maya or the prakriti manifesting itself as a whole universe. This process we can see in our own mind. And that is how in this diversity we can appreciate the unity that obtains. So all of that gets reduced into agnyanopahitam chaitanyam. Consciousness conditioned by agnyanam, ignorance or maya or the unmanifest. And that is what we call Ishvara or God. But even that also ultimately reduces to what? Who is Ishvara? The Sarvagniha, Sarvashaktiman. So he is the, the uh, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. That is Ishvara. Even he also reduces ultimately into Brahman, which is devoid of any qualification, whatever. <coughs> so, Anupahitam Chaitanya, Anupahita Chaitanya Rupam Turiyam Brahma Matram Bhavati. Even what we call Ishvara, even what we call creator, sustainer, dissolver, all of that, that also ultimately reduces into the most ultimate irreducible substratum, which is Brahma or Turiya. It is called Turiya the fourth with reference to the individual who enjoys the three states of awareness and all of them resolve into what we call the fourth or Turiya. It is called Brahma with reference to the whole universe which has three gross states like the creation, sustenance, dissolution and resolves ultimately into Brahma, which is devoid of any idea of creation, sustenance, or cause and effect. So the whole universe consisting of the cause and effect reduces it to what we call Brahman, the irreducible substratum. Tadeko vasishta shiva kevaloham, says Shankaracharya in one place, Tadekaha avasishta shivaha kevalaha aham. I am kevalaha, I am non-dual. Absolute. Shivaha, auspicious. Ananda, pure, joy, happiness, auspicious I am. Avasishtaha, into which everything reduces, which cannot be reduced any further. Ekaha, the one, that one, irreducible, auspicious, joyful, absolute self or being or the truth I am. All of this reduces to that. This is how one can contemplate upon the nature of truth. <coughs> the nature of the creation, the nature of the self. Where is this Brahman or Turiyam? Is it inside, outside? As I said, the inside and outside, these concepts are there only in this gross universe. Only with reference to the body. When the body itself is seen is made up of five elements, and the, the distinction of inside and outside is not there. It is there as long as I am aware of or I am identified with this body which becomes a frame of reference to the inside and outside. Then everything gets reduced to what we call Brahma or Turiyam. Etat Agnyanam Agnyanopahita Chaitanyam Cha Ishwaradikam Etat Adharabhuta Anupahita Chaitanya Rupam Turiyam Brahma Matram Bhavati all of this is seen. This is this reduction is what? Is something that we see. Where do we see? In our own mind. In our own mind we see. Of course in the mind itself, the seeing mind also reduces to what we call Turiyam or Brahman. And what remains is Brahman alone. So, this is the process that even when the mind is, we can see this. It's not that the mind necessarily has to disappear. With the mind alone we see this. That even the, what we call the mind also, and what we call the seer also, the seen, the seer and seeing, all of these are nothing but the manifestation of the same awareness. This fact is to be seen with the mind, except that, that the mind is itself has reduced to it a great silence, a silent abiding mind that reveals this fact, that the truth of the mind the seeing, the seer and the seeing is nothing but one awareness itself. So, Turiyam Brahmarupam Brahmatram Bhavadev. 
This is how this Adhyaropa and Apavada, this process of superimposition and de-superimposition, this method, I should not say the process, the method of superimposition and de-superimposition which the teacher used here enables us to see the non-duality, the truth, which is one without a second. <coughs> so has been seen. Now, uh, we go to page 84, the passage 143. <coughs> what further do we understand or how further this method of the Adhyaropa and Apavada, the superimposition and the de-superimposition, what further it enables us to understand is what now the author shows here, says in passage 143, Abhyam Adhyaropa Apavada Abhyam Tattvam Padartha Shodhanam Api Siddham Bhavati Abhyam, the dual, by this two, the instrumental dual, Abhyam, by this two, Adhyaroba, Apavada, Abhyam, by this two, namely Adhyaroba and Apavada, by the superimposition and de-superimposition. Tattvam Padartha Shodhanam Abhi Siddham Bhavati. This also helps us to do the Shodhanam. Shodhanam meaning the understand the meaning of Tattvam Padartha. Pada, Pada means a word. Padartha, the meaning of the word. <coughs> Artha means meaning. Pada means a word, Artha means a meaning. Padartha means the meaning of the word or that which stands for the word. So there are these two words. In fact, there are three words in this Mahavakya or this major statement, you may say. This Mahavakya is Tattvamasi. Now, the teacher is going to analyze this, this Mahavakya. Mahavakya means this major statement, this statement that reveals the Akhanda Arthatvam, meaning reveals the oneness or the non-duality of the truth. Tattvamasi. That, as we know, is Brahman. Tvam, the jiva. Asi, you are Brahman. That thou art. This is the truth that is revealed by Upanishad. This is called Mahavakya. Why is it called Mahavakya? Because it reveals the great truth. And what is the truth? The identity between Tat and Tvam. Identity between jiva and Brahman. Or identity between the seeker and the sought. So the duality that pinches us or that bothers us the most really is the duality between the seeker and the sought. The duality between the actual and the ideal, the actual self and the ideal self you may say, the duality. I always, I find myself an actual being. I have in my mind a picture of an ideal being. And they keep on achieving different ideals in my life, that ideal being seems to be again receding farther and farther from me. So that sort, which, that which I am seeking, is always away from me, either in time or in place or in condition. And who am I? I am that seeker. So there is this, there is this duality between seeker and sort. And it is that duality which always compels me to to do something, to keep on becoming, to undergo this process of constant change and conflict and struggle. And the Upanishad says that that duality is false. In fact, the seeker and sought both are one alone. Isn't it a fact that each one of us is searching for Brahman? Or isn't it a fact that each one of us wants to become Brahman? Because each one wants really as we, if we look at our, all of our desires, then we can broadly classify our desires into three categories. First is the desire to survive. Desire to survive how long? 
uh, without any limit if I had my way, meaning there is an inherent desire really to become immortal. And there is the desire to know. And how much you want to know? Everything you want to know. Desire to become omniscient. Desire for that knowledge. And third is the desire for happiness. How much happiness do you want? Without a limit. So limitless happiness is what I'm seeking. Limitless knowledge is what I'm seeking. Limitless existence is what I'm seeking. And all of our efforts are motivated only by a desire for that. And what is that limitless existence and limitless knowledge and limitless happiness? That alone is called Sat, Chit and Ananda. That alone is Brahma. So Brahma is relevant to us every moment of our life because that is what we are seeking or that is what we are seeking to become. So in our life primarily that is the process of becoming. Each one of us is trying to become limitless or become Brahma. Except that limitless one cannot become because every becoming involves a change. And every change means that, every change means giving in the previous condition when we arrive at the new condition. Even if you arrive at a higher condition, you have to give up the lower one. I reach the second step, the first step has to be given up. Therefore, every process of becoming or change always, even though it may involve some gain, it also involves a loss. And therefore, a change can never really result into limitlessness. And so the Upanishad says, Tattvamasi. It is not that you have to become Brahma or you have to become limitless. See the fact that you are limitless. <coughs> How come then if I am limitless, I take myself to be a limited being because of Adhyaropa, superimposition. What is that superimposition? Superimposing the limitations of the Zupari upon the self. And that is how I see myself a mortal being. Because superimpose, superimpose the mortality of the body upon the self. I see myself a limited being because I superimpose the limitation of the mind upon the self. I see myself an ignorant being because I superimpose the ignorance of intellect upon the self. So Upanishad reveals, by this very statement Upanishad reveals. By saying that you are Brahma, it reveals that the whatever you take yourself to be, that sense of limitation that you are suffering from is false. Then seeing the false fallacy of the sense of limitation is called apavada or desuperimposition. So desuperimposition is nothing but seeing the mithyatvam or fallacy or the unreality of the creation and unreality of that sense of limitation. This is called apavada, desuperimposition. Thus this method of adhyarava and apavada Superimposition and de-superimposition also enables us to understand the true nature of the self, which is what we call Tvampada. So in this statement, Tat, Tvamase, Tvam stands for the Jiva, the individual, and this process of Adhyaroba and Apavada, superimposition and de-superimposition, enables us to appreciate or see the true nature of Tvam or the I. It also enables us to appreciate or understand the true nature of Tat or what we call Ishvara, the goal. And thus it enables us to see Asi. Asi means you are the identity between Tat and Tvam, identity between Jiva and Brahma, meaning seeing the fact that the I is devoid of all the limitations. <coughs> so that's what the author says. That the primary purpose of this analysis or the method of Adhyarova Pavada is to reveal the non-duality of the truth, but then secondarily it also helps us to understand the meaning, true meaning of the words Tat and Tvam and thus see the identity between them. How does it do that? That is what we explain in the subsequent passages. Says further, Tathahi Ajnanadi Samashtihi Etata Upahitam Sarvagnitvadi Vishishtam Chaitanyam Etada Anupahitam Cha Etatrayam Taptayaf Pindavata 
ஏகத்வேன அவபாசமானம் தத்தத்பத வாச்சார்த்தி ஒன்ஸ் <coughs> So begin from ignorance that resulted into what we call the subtle bodies and that resulted into what we call the gross bodies. So this causal body, the aggregate of the cause which gives rise to the aggregate of all the subtle bodies and that gives rise to the aggregate of all gross bodies. So samashti karana shariram, samashti sukshma shariram and samashti sthula shariram. All of that and then etad upahitam chaitanyam chaitanyam means consciousness or awareness see if you listen right now to better instead of reading you know because when you're reading then you cannot uh, hear what i'm talking and it, it would be better to listen because that is exactly what i'm explaining what is there in the book is exactly what i'm explaining <coughs> so agnyanaadi samashtihi the total upadi beginning from agnyanam or ignorance and from ignorance is what we call the causal body and from that evolves what we call the total subtle body from that is evolved the what we call the total gross body so this is the total upadi we are talking of tatpada tat tat means ishvara tat also means brahma or tat means ishvara that so we call tat as ishvara when it is along with the upadi and same tat is called brahma when it is devoid of upadi upadis is maya the creative power the cause the primordial cause from which the effects in the form of the subtle and the gross bodies have evolved so that whole upadi the samasti upadi or the aggregate of the whole upadi etat upahitam chaitanyam and chaitanyam the awareness the consciousness which functions through the upadi and what do we call it we call it ishvara So when that Chaitanyam of the consciousness manifests through the totality of the causal upadi, then we call it Ishvara. When it manifests through the totality of all the subtle bodies, understand the cause itself becomes subtle, and that awareness of the consciousness manifesting through the totality of all the subtle bodies is called Hiranyagarbha. And the very same subtle bodies evolve into the gross bodies. in the same awareness manifesting through the totality of all the gross bodies is called virat so all of these has been discussed in the past ishvara hiranyagarbha and virat to understand it simply that awareness which is without dimension manifesting through the totality of all the creative power the totality of the upadi is called ishvara so ishvara involves three elements one it elements upadhi upadhi is the totality of all the bodies gross subtle and causal secondly it involves the consciousness consciousness as manifesting through the upadhi and thirdly etad anupahitam cha and thirdly it involves the anupahitam the unconditioned consciousness <clears throat> for example you know we have let us say a whole world of various reflections we have the one sun shining in the sky and we may have a number of water uh, containers of water in each of which the sun gets reflected so let us say we have a whole world of reflections these reflections are possible only when three aspects are involved one is called upadhi the reflecting medium so the upadhi or the reflecting medium is there then alone reflection is possible so they are saying that here is sun getting reflected into a number of water 
containers. Sudden reflections are not possible. So that plus reflecting medium must be there, otherwise also reflection is not possible. And thirdly, the reflection itself. Because if reflection is not there, then alone there is no, uh, there is no samsara. Similarly also, Ishvara is primarily the anupahitam chaitanyam, unconditioned consciousness, reflected in the reflecting medium, which is what we call upadi or maya, and the reflection in the maya, which is what we call Ishvara. So, there what, what we mean by the word tat? In the statement tat tvam asi, that thou art, what is meant by tat or that is the maya or the agnanam or the, the upadi, the consciousness reflected in that and the unreflected or image consciousness. Etatrem taptayaf pindavat ekatrena abhasamanam. And when we do not see the distinction of these three, we take them to be one. Taptayaf pindavat, like the F pindaha, like the red hot iron ball, where we do not see the reflection, I mean the distinction of the iron and the fire, and we take it as one fireball, and so also when we fail to appreciate the distinction between the upadha, the reflecting medium, the upahita, the reflected, the anupahita, the unreflected, when we do not see the distinctions of the three. But Swami, you said there is one, why are you not talking of three, you know? This three we are talking of again to understand. Because this is a, there is a need to distinguish or discriminate. Ultimately we have to understand that these three are one alone. What we call Upadhi also is nothing but the same Brahman. And what is Upahita reflected also is the same Brahman. Except that the Upadhi and the Upahita, the reflecting medium and the reflection are relative realities. And Brahman that is reflected is the absolute reality. In that sense the distinction is. When we talk of distinction between self and non-self, all the image and reflection, they are the distinctions of the degrees of reality and not distinctions of two things separated in space or something like that. Even though the illustration is given is that of a reflection, where the image and the reflection are separated by space, it is not that separation which is meant there. What is meant is that the reflection is a relative reality and the image is the absolute reality and it is a distinction of reality that we have to distinguish in our mind and not that you separate Brahma from something, you know, or you separate one from the other. It is not that physical separation is not meant. What is meant is the separation or discrimination is with reference to the degrees of reality that we have to see. Even though everything is Brahman, in Brahman there are, that Brahman, the manifestation of Brahman, there are degrees of reality. That Brahman itself is absolute reality. But what we call the Upadhyaya, the Maya is relative reality. And therefore, the reflection in Maya, the reflected consciousness also becomes a relative reality. It is this kind of a distinction that we have to see. Distinction between the degrees of realities and not between things standing apart from each other. Taptayaf <coughs> pindavat And even when we in our own mind distinguish between iron and fire, again, that is, an that is only an illustration. But Swamiji, iron and fire enjoy the same degree of reality. Okay. So, that, so we don't intend this illustration in every way. We just want to, the iron, the, the example of the fireball just tells us. How it becomes almost impossible for the one who does not know to distinguish between the two iron because they are so intimately, uh, each one pervades the other. And so they are so intimately one with each other that how ordinarily we cannot distinguish between the two. And so also this body and the consciousness are so intimately one that we fail to appreciate the distinction between the two. The distinction between the body and the consciousness is not one in space that I stand apart from the body. Swami, I saw my body and therefore have I done this uh, distinction or discrimination between the body and consciousness? No. You cannot stand apart from the body. Consciousness cannot stand apart from anything because there is nowhere where the consciousness is not. 
is not standing apart in that sense, is not seeing the distinction in a physical manner, it is seeing distinction in the degree of reality. This is consciousness, all right, but frozen, you know, like distinction between the, the, uh, the water and the ice. Ice also is H2O. What also is H2O? Then what kind of distinction are you asking us to make? To see that the content of both of them is H2O. That what we call the ice is the grossified, crystallized form of that water, of that H2O. And so, even though the ice is floating in the water, we can still see them as different things, not different substances as such, but the same substance manifest in different states. <coughs> Anyway, so this is how taptaif pindavat, just as that fireball, then we do not see the distinction between, the, we do not see the fact that what we call fireball actually has two elements, iron and fire. So we say the iron is, iron burns. We say that the tea burned me, the water burnt me. It is not the water that burns or the tea or the iron that burns, it is the fire really that burns. But we don't know and therefore then we have this kind of an expression, meaning that expression shows our perception also. So when we are not able to distinguish between the awareness manifesting through the totality of the upadhi, then we call it Ishvara. That is Tatpada Vachyartaha Bhavati. This has been discussed earlier, how the meaning of the words Vedantin accept two meanings of the word. One is Vachyartaha, other is Lakshyartaha. Vachyartha means the primary meaning or the immediate meaning or the literal meaning or the word meaning. What is the primary meaning of a word? When a word is uttered, the meaning that immediately strikes in our mind is called primary meaning. Now only when that primary meaning is not applicable in a given sentence, then alone we have to go in for a secondary meaning. <coughs> That's all. Look, the white horse is coming. So when we utter the expression white horse, an object called white horse, you know, strikes or flashes in our mind. I look where my attention is pointed, I don't see a white horse. What do I see? I see a man in white trotting in some manner. Then I realize that it is white horse is not the person. White horse is a substance that is in the mind of the person. And therefore, he's his movement, etc., is whatever it is. So then we understand, so when the primary meaning of the word white horse, the expression white horse is not applicable, then alone we go in for what we call the lakshyartha, or the implied meaning. What is implied is something else. So that is called lakshyartha, or the implied meaning. The poets accept a third meaning called vyangyartha, the suggested meaning. But, there is no logic in that suggested meaning. That suggested meaning has more to do with emotions, etc. And therefore, that, that is very much used in poetry. But Vedantins don't, don't accept it because they only want to work based on the basis of reasoning. And since there is no reasoning involved, it's all emotional thing. And so emotional context is, context is necessary to understand Vyangyartha or suggested meaning. Vedantins only accept these two meanings the Vachyartha and Lakshyartha. The primary meaning or the immediate meaning and what we call the implied meaning. <coughs> so when we say Ishvara or God, what do we mean? We always lift our finger, we say God is there, you know, up there somewhere. Not only in America, in India also they always show God means up in the heavens. Even though Vedanta says that God is the, the material and the efficient cause, in the psyche of the people, God is always away. So everyone accepts God as someone who is remote, as one who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and everything. But away, he is remote. And this is the concept of God which is there in our mind. Whenever the word God is uttered, that is the meaning that strikes in our mind. And therefore, what do we associate, the idea that is associated with God is what? Certainly he is a conscious being. We say he is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. 
When can God be omniscient? Only when He is endowed with the total mind. Because omniscience or knowledge is the mind. So God endowed with the total mind would be called omniscient. Then would we call Him omnipotent, the all-powerful? Only when He is endowed with the total prana-sakti or total, the, uh, the total power, which is what we call the prana and the organs of action. So when God is endowed with the mind and the organs of perception, then He is called omniscient. When endowed with again the prana and the organs of action, we will call him omnipotent. And he is omnipresent. How can he be omnipresent? Only when he pervades everybody or every upadhi. So when the word God is uttered, or here when the word Tat is uttered, when the word Ishwara is uttered, then the, the meaning that immediately strikes in our mind is the conscious being. You look upon Ishwara as being. A conscious being, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, endowed with the totality of all the upadi. So that is called the vachyartaha, or the primary meaning of the word tat, word that, which stands for Ishvara or God. <coughs> but what is the real meaning of the word tat or God? That is explained in the verse, in the passage 145. Etata upadhi upahita adharabhutam anupahitam chaitanyam tatpada lakshartho bhavati. Etata upadhi. Upadhi is the upadhi. Which upadhi? The totality of the upadhi, which is which, what we call the maya. So this upadhi, upahita, upahita means that which is conditioned by the upadhi. So we are always giving the illustration of this crystal. And the crystal appears to be colored. So crystal that is colored is called upahita. This color of the cloth is called upadhi. That which appears to impart color to the crystal is upadhi. What is the crystal? Upahita, the one that is conditioned by the upadhi of the color. But what is the crystal in the primary sense, in its own sense, in its own nature? Anupahita, unconditioned. So when you see a crystal, a, a colored crystal, then in fact three aspects are involved. One is the upadhi, that which colors. Second is the upahita, the crystal that is colored. And third, anupahita, the uncolored crystal. If that anupahita or unconditioned crystals are not there, of course, even the upadhi, upahitam or color, apparent color would not be there. Inasmuch as the crystal appears to be colored, but it is not color. So color, color, the coloredness of the crystal is an appearance. So three elements are involved. Anupahita. Anupahita means pure Upahita, condition, and upadi, the conditioning element. So similarly imagine, for the crystal, imagine the total consciousness. In case of a cloth, in place of a cloth, imagine the totality of all the upadi. Then we have the anupahita, pure consciousness, the conditioning element, namely upamaya, and the consciousness conditioned by maya. So all of this makes of what we call tat or ishvara, the primary meaning of God, but what is the real meaning of, the, of, of God? What's the real meaning of the word tat? When we appreciate the fact that the upadhi is, is unreal, meaning it is only reality, it enjoys only relative reality. So when we understand the reality of this upadhi, that is maya, when we understand that it is relative in as much as it does not enjoy reality of its own, that it derives its reality from Brahma, and therefore it is nothing but Brahma. That's the second step. To see that Maya is nothing but Brahma. And therefore even God or Ishwara, the Upahita or the condition also is nothing but Brahma. Therefore we find that the Upadhi, the conditioning factor, the Upahita, the condition, both of them resolve into Anupahita tat adhara bhutam, 
Anupahitam Chaitanyam. Both of them ultimately reduce themselves to or resolve themselves to that which is Adhara, the substratum of both of them, the real essence of both of them, the content of both of them, which is Anupahitam Chaitanyam, the unconditioned consciousness, <coughs> Tatpada Lakshyartha Bhavadi. So in two steps this is being taught, that's all. This is taught in two steps. And those two steps are necessary because it is difficult for our mind to jump right away to the ultimate stem, step. So what is the first step? Tatpada Vachyartha, God, with all its upadi, the conditioning. So at least when I see one God, at least I have been able to reduce all the diversity and duality into one. That's a great step. To be able to reduce all this duality and uh, which always that distracts my mind. It is the apparent duality, the di- diversity that distracts my mind. So when all of that is reduced to one God, that's a great step. And then I realize that what I call the Upadi also is nothing but, it is unreal. And therefore it's just an appearance. And what really is there is nothing but one, namely Brahman. So Upadi, Upahita, when Upadi is not there, when cloth is not there, the Upahita, that color crystal also is not there. So as long as Upadi is there, so long Upahita, the conditioned crystal is there. Upadi is removed, the conditioned crystal also goes. And what remains there is unconditioned. So as long as the seer is there and the scene is there, so long the duality is there. When the seer is not there, the scene also is not there. And what there is is just one unconditioned awareness. Anupahitam Chaitanyam Tatpada Lakshyasa Bhavadi. That is called the Lakshyasa or the implied meaning. So the ultimate meaning or the implied meaning of the word that is that Anupahitam Chaitanyam or unconditioned consciousness. That is the truth of the conditioning. The conditioned, conditioning and conditioned both of them reduced to what we call the unconditioned consciousness. The idea is that even when consciousness or truth or Brahman appears to be God, then also it does not lose its purity. That's why we say vivarta. So we have discussed how the creation is vivarta in appearance. So since Maya etc. being an appearance, it reduces itself to the substratum. <coughs> Thus we are told here the meaning of the word tat means God. What's the meaning of the word Tvam or Jiva? That is being said in the passage 146. Agnyanadi Vyashtihi Etata Upahita Alpagnyatwadi Vishishta Chaitanyam Etata Anupahitam cha Etatrayam Taptayaha Pindavata Ekatvena Avabhasamanam Tvampada Vachyartho Bhavati Tvampada Vachyartha Bhavati. Tvam means you or thou. Vachyartha has the primary meaning. Whenever you is uttered, or when the word I is uttered in our mind also, what is the primary meaning or the immediate thing that strikes in our mind? A conditioned being, a jiva or a limited being. What does the jiva or the conditioned being consist of? Again, the three elements. Like we said, the three elements, the upadi, the conditioning element, upahita, the conditioned, and anupahita, the unconditioned. Here also, with reference to what we call tvam or I, ajnanadi vyastihi. Except here there is vyastihi, or what we call the individual upadhi. Ajnanadi, beginning from ignorance, meaning the causal body, and the subtle body, and the gross body. Here also, the upadhi is causal body, the ignorance, Subtle body, the mind, etc. Then the gross body, this gross body, this is upadhi. Upahita. And the self conditioned by this upadhi. 
self conditioned by the upadi causal body is called pragnya which is primarily experienced in deep sleep self conditioned by the subtle body is called tejasa is primarily experienced in the dream state and self conditioned by the gross body is called the vishva primarily experienced in the waking state so this pragnya tejasa and vishva these are what we call the conditioned and what conditions them the upadi the agnyanam the sukshma shariram and the sthula shariram this is the upadi <coughs> and you can also include the three states the sleep the dream and the waking in the sleep the primary conditioning is agnyanam the causal body the dream the subtle body the waking state the gross body so all of that is the upadi agnyanaadi vyastihi this individual upadi the conditioning element upahita the consciousness conditioned by the upadi also called by three names pragnya tayasa and vishva alpagnyatvad visishta chaitanyam and that vishva or the pragnya the jiva is what limited in every way alpagnyatvam limited in knowledge with little knowledge little power little pervasiveness in every way one with alpa or small or little on account of the fact that this upadi is little individual therefore the upahita the conditioned consciousness which is what we call jiva also is little or small in every way etad anupahitam chaitanyam cha and also of course the unconditioned consciousness without which this would not be possible etatram this three the upadi upahita and anupahita it would be nice to remember these words upadi upahita anupahita upadi the limiting or conditioning adjunct they call it upahita the that which is conditioned and anupahita that which appears to be conditioned but which is in truth unconditioned <coughs> etatram dishtri taptayaf pindavata again like the red hot iron ball ekatvena avahasamanam when we take it as one entity and not able to distinguish between the iron and the fire and take that as as fire ball the one entity similarly also when we are not able to distinguish between the different degrees of reality between upadi upahita and anupahita tvam padavachyartho bhavati that is called tvam that's the primary meaning of the word tvam tvam meaning thou or i and so primary meaning of i is this jiva who is the consciousness conditioned by individual upadi and therefore experiencing limitation in every way <coughs> but what's the true meaning of i that's said in the passage 143 उपाधि उपहित आधारभूत अनुपहित प्रत्यगानंदम तुरीय चैतन्यद लक्ष्यार्थी then lakshyartha what is the ultimate meaning of the word tvam what's the ultimate meaning of the word i what is the ultimate meaning of this concept i which is the aadharabhutam which is even the support the substratum of this upadi the causal the subtle and the gross the upadi also is it derives its existence from what it derives its its manifestation from what which is an appearance of what appearance of that tvam that awareness upahita the jiva also jiva also derives its reality or it, it shines and appears due to what so this jiva the conditioned consciousness and the conditioning upadi both of them resolve into what uncond- that unconditioned awareness anupahitam pratyaga pratyag means what we call inner see they use this word inner just to just to dive over this i mean just to direct our attention 
to the self. Because we always, whenever we, never, when we refer to self, we always say here, you know. Whenever we talk of self or I, we always point out as something here, in the heart, or inside. So we feel the self is inside, and God is away. So this is what has become settled in our psyche, you may say. And therefore, the word that is used is protect the inner self. Anandam, which is the nature of ananda, or fullness, or happiness. Total joy, or freedom, which arises on account of resolving this sense of limit, littleness. Turiyam, that is called Turiya, the fourth, with reference to the three states of waking, dream, and deep sleep. Which is in and through the three states, and unaffected by the three states. Which appears in these three states, and which retain, which, which otherwise is unaffected by them. Turiyam Chaitanyam, that awareness. Tvampada Lakshyartha Bhavati. It is Lakshyartha, or implied meaning of the word Tvam, the word Tav. <coughs> Dehendriya Manobuddhi Prana Ahankrudi Tad Dharma Jagra Swapna Sushupte Vastabhya Vilakshana Tat Sakshi Chiddhatuhu Tvampada Lakshyartha. The one who is Vilakshana, again, is a distinct form. Deha, the body. India, the sense organs. Manaha, the mind, buddhi, the intellect, prana, the vital force, ahankruti, the hankara, the individuality, and the waking, dream, and the deep sleep, which are the attributes of all of this upadhi. Tebhya, virakshanaha, one who is distinct from all of them. Tat sakshi, one who is a witness of all of them. So when we use the word witness, again as though we are trying to distinguish between all of this and the witness, and you imagine a witness separate from this, no. Witness alone again means here, the one who illumines them, one who is a reality about them, one who has what we call, the one who is real, with reference all of these which are unreal, Vilakshanaha, Tat Sakshi, Chiddhatuhu, that which is the essence of Chid or awareness. Thvampada Lakshyata, that is Lakshyata, the implied meaning of the word Thvam, the implied meaning of the word I. Ishvara Tadubhayashritam Anupahitam Sumahimni Pradeshritam Aksharavachyam Chinmatram That is the Pratyakchiti Matram That is the Tatpada Lakshartha Okay Says Agnana Tatkarya Samastha Prapancheshu Sattasurdi Pradatvena Anusyutam Chishadananda Dvayatmakam Vastu Tatpada Lakshartha Lakshartha Tat or God is that ignorance and all the, the product of ignorance in all the universe. So that which gives the sattā, the very existence of the universe and its cause, spurti, that which gives the very life to everything. And that anusūtam, that is in and through every, the whole creation, as the sattā and spurti pradātra, which is chit, sadānanda advayātmakam, which is sat, chit, sat, ānanda, advaya, the non-dual, that, Consciousness is Tatpada Lakshartha and this Turiyam Pratyaganam, that consciousness is Tvampada Lakshartha and both are one alone. So first of all, we are shown here the true meaning of the word God and the main, true meaning of the word I. And then we are shown how both of them are one alone with reference to their true the ultimate meaning. Let's understand that we do have our own idea of who I am and who God is. And these ideas are in our mind because of upadhi. But when we really scrutinize the ideas or press the ideas and want to see what that idea ultimately resolves into, then we realize that both all these ideas, both these ideas ultimately resolve into that one chaitanyam or one awareness. This is how this method of adhyaropa and apavada superimposition and de-superimposition enables us to understand the meaning of the words tat and tvam, that and thou, in this statement, tattvamasi. <coughs> okay. Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate 